I'm Fathery. Uh, this is Starfleet Boy. I'm Rachel. And this is Text Trek. Engage. Welcome back aboard the Starship Texas for the 210th installment of the Text Trek podcast, the home of Star Trek fandom from deep in the heart of Texas, where we take a deep look at Star Trek old and new. And tonight we are talking about Star Trek Lower Decks Season 3, Episode 6, Here All Trust Nothing, aka the highly anticipated Deep Space Nine episode, written by Grace Para Jani and directed by Phil Mark Sagadraka. I'm Still very sure I'm getting his name wrong, so if anyone knows how to say that, please let me know. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's a big night. I'm very uh, happy and excited and glad to be joined by Starfleet Boy and Rachel. So how are y'all doing tonight? Pretty, 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 pretty good. (laughs) That sounds pretty good. (laughs) And I see we have some people in our live audience, so uh, I hope everyone can chime in and be part of the conversation with us as we talk about uh, this episode that I know I was definitely looking forward to ever since we got the uh the trailer that showed the cerritos at ds9 back at san diego comic-con right well that was so cool yeah revealed that so before we get started on that though i just want to do a little bit of quick housekeeping uh first of all thank you so much to our patreon supporters it means a lot to us the people that are able to chip in a little bit each month uh we encourage people you know if they're able to join you can sign up various different tiers we have some different perks but you can come in as little as two dollars a month that'll get you into our monthly episode watch alongs more on that in a second but thank you uh you starfleet boy but also kick is eternal gay clevin lundstrom crazy dutchy joanne robertson quarks bar john dawes and our anonymous supporters we couldn't do it without y'all and the patreon watch that we're doing uh for the month of october it's going to be on saturday october 15th and we're watching the episode is it Thaw or The Thaw? The Voyager episode with the scary clown. The Thaw, right? There's the V in there. I forget, but. I don't know. But, anyways, the, the season two episode with the scary clown that a lot of people uh, complained about in the 90s, but more people seem to like it these days. Played by Squiggy or Lenny? Lenny. Played by Lenny of Laverne and Shirley fame. <laughs> uh, yeah, so <laughs> that'll, be a, that'll be a fun one, I think. I also only ever watched it once and was freaked out, but I will watch it for your uh, for your watch along. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So if you're not too scared and would like to participate, uh, then you can sign up on the Text Trek Patreon. Again, you come in as little as two bucks a month, and that'll get you into all of these monthly Patreon watches that we do. And uh, you can also uh, hang out in the Text Trek Discord server. That's another uh, fun place to be. We're, we've been having some fun in there talking about not just Star Trek, but like other shows and movies people are watching. So that's been a lot of fun. Thank you, everyone who's been participating there in the Text Trek Discord. I'm dying to go in there and talk about uh, 12 Monkeys. You also, should, yeah. if I could people just wanna, say, Father, want to hear about that. 
you and Jesse Gender have the best Patreons that I'm subscribed to, like in terms of like interactivity and perks and stuff like that. So I appreciate you and I like being a patron. It's very nice. <laughs> well, thank you for the uh, the endorsement. But uh, but yes, uh, we, we try I'll to take my know... check. You know, you can just send it. Like... <laughs> <laughs> we try we try to, you know, like do something fun. And you know, if you, people want to come in like some of the higher tiers. There's some uh, there's some exciting stuff in there. But a uh, little bit of quick news. Uh, we are about a week away from October 8th. That's when New York Comic Con is going to have a Star Trek presentation. They're going to have the entire TNG cast to promote Star Trek Picard Season 3. Uh, there's also going to be a big showcase for Star Trek Prodigy. The Hagamans are going to be there. Some of the voice actors from Prodigy are going to be there. And uh, Sonequa Martin-Green is going to be there representing discovery so uh, you know we haven't heard much about discovery season five they're currently shooting uh but yeah so maybe we'll find out some season five news uh alex kurtzman and terry metallis are both going to be there terry doesn't do many conventions or anything uh alex loves to be around when they announce something big so i'm just throwing this out there as a possibility if there is going to be a another 25th century show that might be ran by terry metallis or something to replace picard you know this is the final season of picard it might get announced at new york comic i'm not promising that but i'm just saying like that is a possibility so keep that I want to go. Uh, I can't. I don't know if I can go, but I want to go. <laughs> I think that's at 4 p.m. Eastern until 5.30 Eastern on Saturday, October 15th. We'll, we'll do a live stream. Or no, October 8th. I'm sorry. On Saturday, October 8th. It's definitely October 8th because that is my yeah. father's birthday. And I was like, shoot, I will not be able to like watch anything live. Oh, dear. <laughs> it is also the like anniversary of one of the podcasts like I'm on, which is inconvenient. That's a big day for you. We which should one? not have. Uh, the one of uh, the Master Mayhem of that podcast. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, if, if you're not busy, you know, celebrating a yeah. loved one's birthday or a <laughs> pod anniversary, mm-hmm. then you can check out some yeah. coverage of that on the Text Track yeah. live stream we'll do Saturday evening on October 8th. But, oh, and uh, some sad news, by the way. We lost our uh, our our Kai, uh, Kai Wynn actor, Lu- Louise Fletcher, right? That's mm-hmm. her name? Louise Fletcher, yeah. Uh, yeah. Very, very well known for her performance as nurse ratchet uh, won uh, the academy award right yeah i believe so and what a cool speech she gave too if uh, you guys have a chance yeah to her check acceptance out. Yeah. speech is uh, supposed yeah. to be something oh. i haven't watched it but it sounds like really and she signed the whole thing because her parents were deaf so she signed the whole thing so that they could enjoy the speech as well and mm-hmm. oh that's really cool yeah i, I want to check it out I, uh if someone wants to post a link to the YouTube know, of that. For someone who's like, I've only ever seen Louise Fletcher play like awful people as characters. She seemed <laughs> like a very nice person. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. You know, some people I know that are like, that, that are writers who write a bunch of like really like messed up, dark, demented, evil stuff or like really nice people in real life. I think, mm-hmm. I think maybe like with actors too, I think some people like, maybe like that's their outlet for all of, all of the bad, nasty stuff. And that's why they're able to be so sweet. I, I just, you know, when I did like, theater back in the day playing villains is fun like <laughs> yeah yeah i'm sure yeah like, I, I agree with that actually yeah we um <laughs> we got to enjoy some great work from her you know the the star trek community i think has uh made it very well known in recent years how much we appreciate uh her contributions to the franchise and we will remember all those great scenes that she uh, left behind uh it's very telling how big of an impact Kaiwen has as a character, and then when you actually look and see how many and realize how many episodes she's in, it's not as many as you think. Yeah, it's only like a less than twenty, fewer than twenty episodes. Yeah, I would like because I remember telling someone that like her and Garrick are in less episodes than you think they are. It just shows how 
great they are though in terms mm-hmm. of the gravitas of those mm-hmm. characters it's cool but yeah speaking of our beloved cardassian space station i'm very very eager and excited to uh, to talk about this episode i'm just going to quickly recap it by reading the official synopsis and then we'll share our broad thoughts on it before breaking it down into more detailed discussions but just the synopsis is the Cerritos crew unexpectedly spends a day on Deep Space Nine. <laughs> so that's very straightforward. But uh, but yeah, uh, Tindy and Rutherford uh, have an encounter with uh, Mask the Orion, who uh, eventually helps Tindy reconnect with her Orion roots. While that's going on, uh, Boimler is being the Dabo King. Uh, doesn't do too much else. <laughs> uh, but we also get some Mariner and Jennifer stuff back on the Cerritos. And uh, a, lot right. of, uh, a, lot of, a lot of Kira, a lot of Quark. So very, very fun and... I guess I kind of want to give like my opening statement first, but I'll 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 let Rachel go since she wasn't around last week. Uh, but Rachel, you want to tell us kind of like your broad uh, impression of this episode before we get into the specifics? I I love this episode because one I huge Deep Space Nine like fangirl, so just beaming the entire time. And my one complaint about this season was I was like, where is Jennifer? It doesn't make sense if they're supposed to be in a relationship. <laughs> and I was like, oh look, there she is. Yes. Yeah. We finally get Jennifer. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know, for me, this was obviously, this is going to be a hard one for me not to like, because I've been begging. People have been following TextRec for a while. No, I, I keep begging, like, take us back to DS9. I want to go back. It's been 23 years. I need to get back on that station that I feel like I grew up on back in the 90s. And uh, I, I still remember watching that final episode back in 1999, you know, the last shot, spoilers for ds9 but the the final shot of the final episode is the camera zooming away from the station from kira and jake looking out the the window and and i just you you know you can tell us oh this is gonna be the final shot and just like i don't want it to end i don't want it to end and like when the screen flashes you know executive producers rick berman and iris even was like no it's over it's over (laughs) so so i felt like from that moment until just uh very recently i was you know away from ds9 i just finally got to go back and visit and it was almost weird how not weird it was i just like plugged back in to to that you know the ds9 to like that location it just seamlessly it's a show that like i'm constantly re-watching in fact i'm probably gonna watch some episodes later tonight getting ready for mm-hmm. uh we're, we're gonna discuss season six in january on text track so that's something for people to look forward to if you're a ds9 fan but you know it lived up to my to my expectations i not only did I love the DS9 stuff, though, but the coolest thing in this episode for me is that there is one big moment, and I'll talk about it when we get to it, but it really, it, like, it made me, like, tear up a little bit. I got, like, so emotional just because, like, I was loving what I was seeing. I was, like, so excited and enthralled and satisfied with what was going on on screen, and it wasn't mm-hmm. even, like, a DS9 moment. It was something with, like, one of the four lower deckers, so all the DS9 stuff Aww. was just, like, incredible icing on the cake for this lower deck show that I love. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it was cool, you know, seeing Kira and Quark and Morn, and I hope that this isn't the last I hope that we see uh, more ds9 stuff in the in the near future because you know the other there are other shows that have the option you know we we can come back here and it'd be pretty easy if the prodigy kids ever get to the alpha quadrant they could show up we could you know if they do like a 25th century show we could do it i don't think that they're gonna go there in picard season three but it, you know it's possible they got to be more speculating that yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't think that's gonna happen i don't think they're gonna rebuild those sets for picard season three it's but. easy to do with the ar stuff they don't use the, that on Picard. Uh, not, oh, okay. They, the, the, I heard all, uh, all that stuff is up in Toronto, so they, they shoot Picard uh, in Cali. Yeah. We don't have one of those things down here in uh, LA. I think they're expensive to build. I think they no, only want like, to build one. I'm surprised there's not one like accessible that they could. Rent I or the only but, other one I know I, of I, is I whatever. I'm not positive where they film the like the Star Wars stuff, 
But I wonder if there was like a rivalry and like Disney wouldn't give Paramount. Like, yeah, di- to use Disney that one. plays a little rough sometimes. <laughs> yeah, they would. Yeah, I, um, I would not be surprised if if that was something that had like Disney like cockblocks Star Trek from using honestly, their this, their AR wall. This is an as- <laughs> assumption I've always made about Picard, and I that basically I assume Patrick Stewart just was like, no, I'm not going to Canada for months for like yeah, weeks no, at a time. Yeah, totally yeah. true. Yeah, I think that's fair. <laughs> Which is. Basically, also, why I assume that is that's what happened. Why Close to Flockhart is only in the first season of Supergirl is when they moved to Vancouver. She said no. <laughs> like, it was in her contract. She didn't want, like, she had a kid who was finishing high school. She didn't want to move. Like, right. that's fine. But uh, I was like, you know what? Good for you. You already have, like, two homes. Like, third yeah. is too much. <laughs> I love uh, I love Canada, but it can get cold, and I can understand. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, pa- Patrick Stewart, like, lives in London and New York and used to live in Southern California, and he's probably like, you know, I want to go work somewhere where it's not cold also. I want to go Wait, back Sir to Patrick Stewart warm, lives in so. New York? I thought he lived in L.A. still. No, I think he's in New York. I th- oh. I've heard he, like, he has houses in New York and L.A., probably because that's where, like, work is for both, like... He works in Yo, both. Sir Pat Stu, I'm coming to New York soon. Can I stay with you? Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Uncle Pat. <laughs> Can Uncle I call Pat. you Uncle Sir Patrick? Uncle Sir Patrick. <laughs> Starfleet Boy, why don't why don't you tell us like your uh, your broad takeaway on this episode? Well, you know, Deep Space Nine is a uh, very cool show, and I kind of like the idea that you guys, uh, I guess it was you, Father, proposing that, like, Deep Space Nine become, like, the sort of hub for this new era of Star Trek. Like, that's a cool idea, like, especially, like, the, you know, like, seeing um, uh, Prodigy also visit it would be amazing, and, uh, you know, uh, I... But but yeah, overall, it's a, it, this is like a big effing deal. It's crazy. Like it, it's exactly like uh, what you said. It's like it didn't feel like we were. Like, it, it felt like we were right back there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did a great job of of creating the atmosphere and bringing in um, both Nana Visitor and Armin uh, Shimmerman to reprise their roles as uh, Quark and now Colonel Kira uh, was an awesome treat. I greedily want everyone to come back but i like the way they did it it was perfect mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> i think uh there's lots of room to visit the station again through flashbacks with mariner so i'm really excited they kind of like make sure you remember that when uh kira comes to visit her and like you know says hey and like you know we know she used to serve there so and then again i just would like it if deep space nine was kind of like earth space dock or any other like while these ships are on patrol maybe they're on patrol on the outer uh edges or whatever and so we can make deep space nine a, a reoccurring character would be pretty awesome or a reoccurring sure guy. yeah it, it, it's uh, a location, location you know like yeah location. sometimes in star meant, trek sorry. you go to vulcan sometimes you go to chrono sometimes you go to right. ds9 you know there's no reason Actually, why they uh, yeah i think deep space nine i think it's probably the location in star trek that means the most to me they never spend enough time on any singular planet <laughs> for me to actually get attached to it that's a good point right right uh yeah yes definitely if i could visit anywhere in the star trek universe i would be oh i, w- I want to walk around the promenade of ds9 like mm-hmm. zero hesitation that's exactly where i'd want to go yeah let's just get into the episode breakdown you know starting off with the arrival at the station there was the uh planned joint mission with the vancouver uh where they were going to open up trade talks with the uh, the karama who we know from ds9 a lower level dominion species that i guess the Ferengi had kind of arranged some trade with prior to the Dominion War. This is five or six years after the Dominion War, so trying to normalize Gamma Quadrant relations. And we get the call from Admiral uh, Buenamigo that, the oh, the Vancouver is busy uh, dealing with whatever the hell a, a brown hole is. Um, so uh, the Cerritos has to step up, and Freeman is going to have to do the uh, the trade talks. And I 
like I genuinely thought that we were gonna find out brown hole was like a euphemism for like that that captain was sick with something <laughs> that imply what you know brown hole was and they never came up again I was like oh, okay never mind <laughs> by the way I think that Admiral Buenamigo uh, must be from Texas because he has a little Alamo thing hanging up on his shelf oh, like check that out. his little miniature Alamo in his office so like why would you have that if you're not from Texas it wouldn't make sense Buen amigo means good friend too. Yes, so. it does. I will say though, to be fair, Julian Bashir and Miles O'Brien, who are not even like American, <laughs> sure, were both yeah. obsessed with uh, the Alamo. An Irish dude <laughs> and like a, I assume a Sudanese doctor. They purposely like avoid ever saying what his actual nationality is. Uh, but uh, played by a Sudanese actor. But yeah, like with a British accent. So yeah, I assume. Well, I assume he's like actually like Alexander Siddig, where it's like a mix of Sudanese and British, even though sure. both his like are you know at least grew up in in britain uh but yeah i mean i, I guess anyone can be an alamo enthusiast in the 24th so he's just a fan of the john wayne movie uh you know, that disney made back in the 50s or 60s or whatever uh, but yeah we, we saw this joke in the san diego comic con trailer of like uh oh just buy me some time just circle around pretend to be in awe of the pylons i gotta say it was like seeing it in context of like why freeman is flustered and needs to stall for time <laughs> it was a lot funnier like seeing it uh here in the episode i agree <laughs> like because i remember being like why are they stalling for time and i was like oh yeah that makes sense <laughs> like she got thrown into something and she needs right. to like prep <laughs> but I think it was also the cutting back and forth and you would only hear the theme song when like <laughs> during the shot. I think that's what sold the joke for me. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it would be awkward to have like this moment of arrival at DS9 not treat it somewhat ceremoniously. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you kind of have to acknowledge like this is a big deal that we are back on the station for the first time in 23 years. Uh, yeah. But they, they undercut that with this joke, which I, I, I think it just... That was such a good way to introduce Lower Decks to the to the Star Trek comedy, Star Trek Lower Decks. You know, it was mm -hmm. a, a really cool way of blending that in. And we get the point of view experience from the character. You know, like Tindy and Rutherford and Boimler are looking out the the window at the station and they're all like so excited and talking about like, oh, yeah, we you know, have like the simple job to do. And then we can go like explore the station. And, you know, like that. That's me when I'm watching this. I'm like, yes, yes, I'm excited to be there, too. So that was yeah. really cool. I like this scene also uh, where we finally get a little bit of... So wait, was Jennifer in her same bunk with her, I guess? That's I'm under the... the impression that, yeah, that Jennifer had oh, like, spent the night in Mariner's a little bunk. Bit of, a little bit of uh, non-protocol stuff. Well, we, we saw an I excretus <laughs> when, they had, when they had to switch with the, the senior officers uh, when they were doing like the, the simulations and stuff in season two. Mm -hmm. Shax and Tiana slept oh, in the same bunk right. there so they it's, uh, it's almost right. like you should be able to have your own room so you don't have to be <laughs> in the hallway with your partner maybe there's like a privacy shield that you can put up or something i don't know uh just just I uh... mean, we've talked about for like how my for my own peace of mind i have to like head canon that they're like uh there's like a force field there so they don't just like fly out when they're asleep and the ship gets attacked. Oh, true. Well, you know, actually there is probably a privacy shield of some yeah. kind because uh Uhura had one on Enterprise. Yeah. Oh, but we never see those true. here. Like it's also right. like they're right. all they're probably like, work different here, yeah. They're and probably they're shields also like all like in Rachel shifts. Said. So I assume there's a way to like block out the light and sound. Right. Because they're in a hallway and they have an actively running ship. 
mean, it's more <laughs> weird to me that they sleep in their uniforms with like their boots <laughs> on and stuff. But no, Rutherford wasn't sleeping in his uniform in that episode. Last episode, he was sleeping in like kind of a. Oh, that's true. Remember? But yeah, a lot of yeah. times, a lot of times they do sleep in their uniforms. Like Mariner and Boimler always do. Gosh, that must mean they get exhausted at the end of the day, and they're just like too tired to do anything except sleep. It's the uniforms that freak me out less than the boots. No, like <laughs> take your shoes off in your bed. <laughs> Those spacesuits are probably like antimicrobial and they they blast any, you know, dirt off of them or they're like anti-dirt, you know, yeah, like 24th whatever. century fabric. Take your shoes off in your bed. Like, like no. But they, they set up the B story here, you know, with Mariner spending the day with Jennifer. So like you said, Rachel, mm-hmm. I've also been anticipating, you know, some Mariner-Jennifer screen time because we had like the acknowledgement of, of what their, their current status was where I guess like we're not using the word girlfriend yet but you know getting close to basically being yeah like official... they're i mean they're dating but they're, they're just not at that part yet right. that the most awkward part of a relationship before either of you will admit it's actually one but all the all the stuff that we saw in mining the minds minds that was all like you know not real jennifer so here yeah. we actually get to see like real jennifer mm-hmm. with mariner so that was nice i dug it i loved it all all that stuff but the uh, interiors of the station, it was it's really remarkable how well these uh, these animated speaking of Canada, shout out to the Titmouse animation crew up in Vancouver, BC, because they fucking rock. Uh, they, they, like it felt like you're back on the station. They recreated a lot of the iconic shots, just a lot of the the tiny little details on the sets. You can tell the animators are giant fans of this like franchise or Deep Space mm-hmm. Nine in particular because I was like, I feel like I'm on Deep Space Nine and like that's 100% because of the way it's animated. The other cool thing about uh, Twitter is you saw some of the background animators talking about um, uh, how they had, you know, like how they used references from the original, you know, the original series <laughs> from Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Like... Well, you know what you mean. <laughs> but, you know, it's the... funny you say that because the the DS9 team had to kind of like forensically go over every little detail of the original series sets to for the stuff that they rebuilt mm-hmm. for uh, Trials and Tribulations. So it's really cool that, you know, like DS9 did like the crossover show first where they kind of had like their characters go into an episode of the original series. And then here we get like Lower Decks is kind of doing the same thing with DS9 and kind of like crossing over into DS9. And then uh, next year we're going to have Strange New Worlds be like the next link in that chain because they're going to cross over with Lower Decks. So that's like all of my favorite shows, you know, kind of connect. Those are like some of my favorites in the whole pantheon of, of Star Trek shows. I saw someone note this on Twitter. I like that they're like, no, Kira cut her hair again. She went back to the short she, hair. Yeah, she didn't have the season seven hair. She went back to like the uh, seasons one through six. This hair is better, so. I think it's just more, yeah, it's more iconic. And yeah. I mean, yeah, it's been like five or six years since then. So why wouldn't she change it? I mean, if you look mm-hmm. at like Nana Visitors in real life, she's changed her hair. So I just yeah. saw her in Vegas not that long ago and her hair's like the longest it's ever been. But uh, you know, a couple years ago, it was uh, much shorter. So yeah, people change their hair. I, I did get really excited when I saw her. I didn't like have like my, my emotional cry moment when I saw Kara walk across ops and go into her office, formerly Cisco's I office. But I I teared up a little bit, not just seeing her. It was like this shot in particular, because like even without them saying anything, it was like, oh, she's thinking about Cisco. And right, like, when someone put out into the wormhole. Thought. Mm-hmm. Someone put out she might be thinking of Odo too, which is kind of cool. So oh yeah, yeah, she probably thinks Odo's about Odo her. often. But it, it was it yeah. was a cool shot seeing her like stare into the wormhole, and it was the Karama ship comes over, and the voice acting from from Nana. It kind of took me like a couple of lines to like 
for it to like really sound like Kira to me, but you know, as soon as it did, as soon as I kind of like adjusted to it and, and I, with, with Armin later, it kind of took me a little bit longer before he started to sound like Quark again to me, but, but after their voices have changed, yeah, it's been 20 years, but you know, by the time I was like, you know, to the end of the episode, like, okay, they're straight up Kira and Quark now. So yeah, I I wasn't surprised because I had heard them speak so much. Like I listened to uh, Nana visitors like podcast. So I immediately like, uh, like recognized her, um, with her son, by the way, it's very cute. She does like a, a series with with her son. Yeah. With Django. Who's also the son of Alexander Sadig. Yeah. That's right. And then, that's right. And uh oh gosh, uh, I I just remembered her episode on um Investigates was one of the best ones if you guys haven't heard it. Yeah. It didn't take me long, but I think that's because they both returned when Star Trek Online did their like these face right. thing oh, and they sure, both yeah. they yeah. both voice have do voice work in that and so I like they to me they sounded like that and so I was used to that already. And Armin Shimmerin put on the teeth yep. prosthetics just to do the voice more accurately which is awesome like he did that not have to do really that cool. but he put on the actual I read sort of, like, he, it was teeth. his idea he called he was like I should yeah. put the teeth in right yeah that's right like, I think Brad Winters or Brad or I think that's who it is Brad uh in LA posted that on Twitter and yeah and because uh, Armin had confirmed it that, that actually, was asking like, I think that didn't cool. surprise me at all like I I kind of like assumed that that would happen because he's right like mm-hmm. he, he does need the teeth to sound like Quark and yeah. Uh, I've also heard like Andy Robinson talk about like he's he's done like some some voiceover work as Garrick for I th- I think like that uh Sid City podcast he did with Alexander mm-hmm. Sadig where they were like you know reading they did like some audio drama stuff and I think he's actually like recording uh, like an official audio drama for or an official audio book for one of the Star Trek novels or something but I've heard him say like it's really hard to be Garrick without having like the prosthetic he kind of like to truly be Garrick he kind of needs to have like the full prosthetics I mean- on. I totally get because, like, in the way it would, like, in the way it would restrict you, like, that feels like that character. Right, right. Um, especially for the teeth. Like, I don't, there's no way for him, there's no way for, like, someone to pretend like there's fake teeth in their mouth <laughs> when there aren't. I said a moment ago that if I could go to any Star Trek location, it would be the, the promenade of DS9. That is, by all means, my favorite set in the 55 years of Star Trek. But my favorite prop, like if I could own any prop that was ever used on screen in Star Trek, it would be very mundane. I just want like one of the baseball props that, that oh. represented Cisco's baseball on his desk. So I was happy mm-hmm. to see that, that Kira still has it. And, and she even uses a baseball metaphor when mm-hmm. uh, Freeman, I guess, apologizes for like last minute changes to the plan for the the Karama talking it's going to be it's going to be me instead of uh, the Vancouver captain and Kira says you know well it wouldn't be you know Starfleet without throwing us a few curveballs it's like oh yeah like she knows enough of baseball because of hanging out with the emissary for seven years that she's able to, <laughs> to use those uh terms and the shack stuff with her was really cool I love so, the history loved this Good. Yes. I, I don't know why it didn't occur to me I also loved his joke at the beginning where he like insults <laughs> the like uh, the fascist eyesore Cardassian yeah. fascist eyesore <laughs> yeah exactly but this was great because I was like why wouldn't they have history they're around the same age like yeah, they, and, they fought um, the resistance together that's awesome this is amazing. It was also a great way yeah. to give Kira something funny to do that wasn't that isn't just like, look, we got the Deep Space Nine character that like she's yeah. actually involved with one of the lower decks characters in like in her comedy like through line. Yeah, that was epic. It, it just made sense to. It, it, it's mm-hmm. like you said, it made it made sense, and it was just perfectly executed, and it was hilarious. Just like mm-hmm. every time they would argue about another adventure where they saved Nerese, Nerese, <laughs> yeah, they're so good. It was so good. <laughs> 
<laughs> PJ uh, Boatwreck uh, points out this was surreal. It was. It's weird. It's weird, but in a great, I think in a cool, great way. Yeah, 100%. Uh, well, let's talk about Quarks and then meeting Mask in there. But yeah, we, we get Kara on Ops, then we get Quarks down in the in the bar. And you know, we know from other shows and stuff that he's franchised, so we have that explained here the reason why he was able to make like this popular chain is because he has the best replicators right the the quark 2000 you know other people might be replicating drinks but they're not going to be quite as good as his so that's what has allowed him to kind of expand his fledgling business empire we'll say he's got i think he's got 21 locations yeah we know one's on free cloud right and have we seen any other have we heard of any others like there's one at starbase 25 oh that's right that's right so yeah that's cool <laughs> uh, and we get to see Morn when they walk. It's actually the three characters that I thought. Okay, if, if we see anyone on DS Nine, it's probably going to be Kira, Quark, and Morn. And you I'm, guessed <laughs> it. That's cool. Uh, because because you know, okay, Kira's probably going to still be in command, so they're right. going to have to meet whoever's in command of the station, and they obviously have to go to Quark's. You know, I don't, I don't know if uh, Julian or Esri or Nog would even still be around. You know, and everyone yeah. else left. But I mean, they're Starfleet officers, so they all could have been reassigned after five or six years. It's almost been enough time for like another show to take. You know, you've almost could have had like another like seven season show almost in this amount of time. They um, kind of mentioned Garrick, and they say there's a tailor, but I guess Garrick leaves also. Right. The show. So I'm assuming that's a different tailor. Right. But or I've always assumed that like maybe it's similar to Quarks. That someone probably calls it the same thing, but maybe he's franchised. Too. Oh, maybe. Well, they uh, just said a tailor shop, right? So maybe there's always a, it's like in the mall when one staple leaves, another one, you know, kind yeah, of. Yeah, he, he might have sold his business or someone else. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, we, I guess there's, uh, you know, a vacancy for a tailor on the station. But yeah, I, I don't think it was Garrett. Because, yeah, I was also trying to think of like who was left. And you said, besides the showed up, is like. Bashir, I guess Julian Nog, would still. Yeah, Julian and, would still be on the station. I don't know right? if he would be. Like, he might have. Oh, okay. He might have been reassigned. Oh, doesn't he have in the novels that like section thirty one side quest? Yeah, or yeah, but I I hate what the novels do with all these people, and I'm glad that that's been overwritten. Like like the novels blow up DS nine and build like this really ugly station that's a stupid design, and so I'm glad like that doesn't happen in canon. I've also read the not connected to those, but some novels where like Ezri's a captain, he's married to her now, so he's with like on her ship. Mm. No, but don't they get divorced? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> that's, Man, Julian. It's, it's so hard to keep up with those. Someone like, did mention that uh, that about the station getting uh, blown up, and uh, I would love it if that if they did decide to use that continuity. Don't get mad, Fathery, but if they did decide to use that continuity in live action, it would be cool to have a Bajoran uh, architecture station that's like similar, but like somehow more Bajoran. I don't know; it might mm. be neat at some mm-hmm. point but but i am very attached to the uh, I mean, no, eyesore I just, I just think, design yeah, it's such a unique design <laughs> it's so good yeah that like yeah. may she it's live it's long iconic. even though she's like yeah um, <laughs> i know i always like for, i had a second uh that someone mentioned in the comments that they missed odo is that a moment i was like it'd be cool if odo was here and then i remembered why odo would not be showing up i know <laughs> and i was like oh Obershanwa. oh yeah and that's also the problem with like nog and i don't i definitely it would be hard to bring up, I feel, especially Nog, without it getting kind of sad. Well, it would be a prodigy was able to bring back Odo. That's Along true. with Scotty and Uhura. Mm-hmm. So it is possible. Yeah. But, um, I think the characters, I, I don't know. I can't speak, obviously, for actors who are uh, deceased, but... I feel if I were an actor with a character that's as iconic as Quark or Nog, that I would want the characters to have stories that continued without me. But that being said, there has to be some time, yeah. <laughs> you know, before you could do that, I think. 
Well, there is very little Starfleet presence on the station at all. In fact, I I only Mm -hmm. saw two Starfleet officers. Uh, They're both in the bar. There's this ensign that's talking to a Klingon uh, in in one of these shots. And then uh, there's Mesk, the Orion, Mm -hmm. who for some reason has a DS9 uniform, but a lower decks comm badge. I think that was just an animation error. I think that was an accident, uh, to be honest. Probably. But, But yeah, his whole thing of like, oh, look, another Orion. You know, you want to go rob some people? You want to go hijack some ships with me, <laughs> do pirate stuff? And and Tindy being embarrassed of the the stereotypes. I, I feel like this is probably relatable for a bunch of people. I, th- I think, you know, anyone who's mm-hmm. ever been a part of any kind of, like, unique demographic and uh, that has stereotypes associated with, and then, you know, you meet someone who is, who is kind of, like, embarrassing you like this. Especially oh, with it being in front definitely. of Rutherford, her friend, and and it, mm-hmm. like Rutherford's like, oh, cool, you you steal ships, you have this uh this tool for doing crime, this little Orion multi key thing, and and so yeah, she was very uncomfortable. I tried to hide when I was a kid. I tried to hide that my family are pirates, you know, pirate like actual pirates. And no, I'm just kidding. But I do. I, you're you're right that it is relatable in the sense that like growing up, you know, I was part of a kind of a small demographic. And so I started emulating the majority population. And so Mm -hmm. it was, you know, it was like kind of a thing uh, until I became mature enough to realize, oh, you know, I have some confidence in my own self, you know. Your experience, Uh, Starfleet boy, for people who don't know your background. Yeah. So I'm a Pakistani uh, born, uh, living, grew up in Miami where uh, the majority of the population is Hispanic. So I tried to fit in with Hispanic people and also, you know, living in the United States, of course, learning, you know, how to be American. So I definitely really, well, as an adult, <laughs> I probably embraced like the Jewish side of my heritage ah, more than I yeah, did as a kid. That's a good example too. Like, because I was often military bases, especially the Air Force, literally would be like the only Jewish people there. They, like, wouldn't even have Jewish services because, like, there were two people and they'd be like, oh, and for some reason, like, because of a bunch of different factors, there tends to be more Jewish people in the Navy. They're like, go to that Navy base. It's three hours away. Like, that's and, not, like. And when I was a kid, like, now I'm comfortable with it. But when I was a kid, like, if you revealed, you know, about uh, Pakistan, like, you got so many weird questions. And I just didn't uh, want to, like, answer them. <laughs> you know, yeah, so sometimes no, it was just easier totally to pretend you weren't. <laughs> You know, or like and to I, hide that. So I related to Tendi a little bit. My sense, it was like easy to hide because I'm interface. So I could just, if I wanted to, I could pretend to like, no, we just pretend like because Catholic. Like, yeah, I guess there's no way for Tindy to hide her uh, Orion side. No, she's, she's <laughs> very <laughs> she doesn't have the pheromones. I like that they explain that. Like, not all, not all Orion ladies have the pheromones because they they mentioned earlier. Uh, this came up in a previous episode, and she said, "I'm not that kind of Orion." I wasn't sure if that just oh, like you're like not the kind of girl that would you know use your pheromones or, but like no, like she, it sounds like she just does not have like that ability, like on a biological level. Like the, the like it's just like not everyone would have it like yeah it makes it easier for like the show to like not have to deal with that and it adds like a little mm-hmm. bit of diversity to the species that has really been yeah. largely unexplored when when lower decks first got announced i was excited to have an orion as a regular because that it was mm-hmm. one of the original star trek alien races ever created you know going all the way back to the very first episode made was the cage and yeah that had vulcans talosians rigelians and uh, orion so one of the, one of the original Star Trek aliens we know very little about, uh, and so this episode went a long way in like giving us a little bit more into into Orion culture, I guess. I love that mess grew up on Earth. Like it's not something you kind of like see mm-hmm. 
but you know that like the other cultures do grow up on it. It's kind of neat, you know, like yeah. I'm sure like there's other dwarf. humans that grow up on yeah, Endor or whatever. You know, it's like yeah, when he yeah. revealed his backstory, it's like a wharf especially yeah. adopted, grew up on Earth, mm-hmm. and then like got a special dif- uh, dispensation for like to wear his like cultural right. thing. Oh, that's right. He does say um, that. Oh, that's right. That's although right. I'm pretty sure he was like, haha, it was BS. I don't think Worf's is BS. Yeah, Worf yeah. had better hollow novels to learn about Klingon culture. <laughs> and it kind of yeah. makes sense. Like, oh yeah, like, you know, this great warrior race. There's probably all kinds of like very... Uh, all he knew was like operas and epics. Yeah, you know, there's like, like a bunch so, of yeah. like acad- <laughs> academic oh, yeah. you know, documentation written up on, on Klingon culture. Oh, okay. The Orion criminals, you know what they have is like these like, like dirty hollow programs. Yeah. <laughs> It would uh, make sense to me since, like, Worf was, like, growing up on Earth at a time when they were, like, starting to make peace with the Klingons. So it makes sense that, like, there would probably be more, like, cultural, um, like, a back and forth culturally because they're like, hey, we should probably learn about each other so we don't make these mistakes again. It was probably, like, a big effort just across the Federation. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. I never thought of that. Uh, I don't really know what the status of... I guess Federation Orion relations in the 24th century would be, but uh, we know from DS9 that the Orion Crime Syndicate is like, you know, they're still around like doing crime and stuff. So I guess mm-hmm. that there's probably not great relations. We know that Orions, you know, have a contentious relationship in the future in the 32nd century. So you know, yeah, they're, true. They're, yeah, they're still troublemakers as far out as as Discovery. So. They would consider themselves rebels, fathery. But I'll say this: I, I've complained. <laughs> I've complained a lot about how so, Lower Decks is very dependent on these misdirection jokes, where you know you you think that this character is going to be mad, but they're actually friendly, or you know stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I've gotten to where like I see so many of them coming that it, it you know it loses its its impact, and it's almost kind of uh, a problem for me. But I did not see this one coming at all. With with Mask turned out to just be like a straight up poser. And when the, the shit hits the fan, he's, he's as helpless as anyone else. They kept it going for long enough that I was like, false sense of security. Okay, yeah, he's presenting as he actually is. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but I like the uh, the payoff that we, we get from that. Um, be- before we talk about that, though, let's uh, let's talk about the the Karama and the talks with Freeman and then the uh, the trouble that is created by uh, by Quark, although we don't we don't know it till later but uh, i like i like seeing a little bit of like the the karama perspective where they're like i don't know how these primitive alphas managed to win the war and they're, they're kind of set up as a threat immediately with their little device you know we don't know what it mm-hmm. is but okay it's obviously ominous because he's he's uh hi- there's a close-up of him hiding it under his cloak so yeah if you're hiding something that looks bomb like under a yeah. vest i'm not gonna trust you their ship, by the way, I love that the Karama ship, it's like the, exactly how it looked when we last saw them in uh, the mm-hmm. search part. Or no, 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 Starship Down. Uh, yeah, back in season four of DS9. And it was cool just seeing a scene in the DS9 wardroom again. It, and it was just recreated so accurately. It didn't didn't feel weird or anything. It's like, yeah, I'm straight up. I'm watching DS9. They're in the wardroom. Mm-hmm. I've seen a thousand scenes here. And here's another one. When they uh, go go talk to to Quark, you know they think okay, like Quark will get our our foot in the door to the open up trade talks with the Gamma Quadrant, and and Quark is you know he sees the Karama. Obviously, he doesn't want them to discover that he's ripped off their replicator technology, so he's like dismissive <laughs> of them. He's like, oh, I don't want to talk to them. I thought he was trying to do this as like a negotiating tactic, like to act like, oh, yeah. you're too small potatoes for me. I thought he was genuine. <laughs> I think I thought he was like mad, like. <laughs> And then a mix of, like, he probably wants to get them out of there. Because as soon as they were, like, mad about his, like, replicator, I was like, 
Quirk did something shady. Yeah. Quirk did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, straight up Quirk. You know, if you've watched much DS9, then you know that, okay, he probably did something he shouldn't have done. But the the funny line to me that made me laugh here was when... Uh, what what does he what does he say? Uh, I have I have standards. I have I have morals, or I have standards, something like that. And then Kara's like, "No, you don't." <laughs> and he's like, I, w- "I won't do business with the Karama." <laughs> yeah, I did love the like. No, you don't. Like it was another we've talked about. Like it sounds like they're in the same room, and I assume they weren't because everything I've heard about like how recording the show works. Yeah, yeah, they don't they don't record in the in the booth together. I think that's like according to Tony Newsom, that's like Mike McMahon's choice. To have them record in separate sessions, but they're really good at like editing this stuff together. It's a mm-hmm. truly a, an artwork. Rachel, you were just talking about like your Jewish heritage, by the way. I I've heard this word before, uh, chotsky, but I didn't. I guess I never knew what it meant. Oh, like I googled it, nick, like knickknack. But yeah, it's like it's like a, a Yiddish <laughs> yeah. word, chotchka yeah, or chotsky. Yeah, yeah. Chotchka. I, I think my it's grandmother chotchka. said that a lot. So. Yeah. I uh I I. I'm an honorary Jew because I grew up a lot around a lot of Jewish people here uh, later on. In Miami, yeah. I guess where my mom grew up. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah, a lot of Jewish people. <laughs> you're going to have a lot more in Florida than uh, we yeah. have in, in I'm Austin, not, Texas. I'm, by the way, I'm, I'm not joking. My mother grew up in Miami. <laughs> That's like, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we have a rich uh, history of, uh, of and, and a big Jewish culture mm-hmm. here and a Jewish presence here. So it's it's a really wonderful uh, I learned a lot of Yiddish words. Like I know shmata. I use shmata. All the I just time. thought it was interesting that the universal translator translated <laughs> or the, this, words, this karma word into, into Yiddish. I, th- I think that's kind of neat. That is funny. That is pretty funny. Yeah. No, I, yeah. As you pointed out, they're yeah, not a huge Jewish community. I like know one other Jewish person I'm not related to in Austin. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've lived here all my life, and I've I can probably count on both hands the uh, the number mm-hmm. of, of Jewish people I've known that like also lived in Austin. Surely there's like a a central kind of like a synagogue or like Jewish community center or something like that. Yeah, there there is, but it's not like just running into Jewish people is not. Right, right. But the uh, the the Karama guys, I think I might have said this before when we were talking about them on some of the uh, DS9 coverage we've done on Text Trek, but I think they work really well on Lower Decks because they're kind of a goofy, they're like kind of, you know, like that Star Trek goofy looking alien. They don't look as cool as mm-hmm. like the Jim Hadar or the Vorda or something. So if we're going to meet someone from the Dominion on Lower Decks, I, I think it was the right choice to make it the care. Plus, you know, we've seen very little of them. We didn't really see them at all during the Dominion War. They weren't part of the, the war fighting side of the Dominion. Yeah. So they're, yeah, I agree with you. They're less, fright- like, they're less intimidating than most of the other, um, dominion races that we meet like regularly if you met like a vorta i feel like a, a, a lot yeah. more people would have like the reaction of like quirk like yeah yeah the caribou we can kind of like okay we can kind of side with you at the end of the episode like yeah. we never saw y'all actually like murder y'all weren't y'all weren't the ones ones murdering quirk's customers like he like he <laughs> um, says i mean yeah if, if quirk had been mad at a vorta i was like yeah the vorta and like the Jem'Hadar and the kardashians like took over the station <laughs> and quirk was left there I, I guess I I kind of saw what was going on here when they tip over the replicator and they look at the insides of it when it breaks on the floor and that's when they get pissed and do whatever they do that disables the entire station and the Cerritos and abduct Quark. By the way, this technology that they they're just able to throw something on a computer console and then like the entire station and the ship docked to it just like lose loses power immediately that would have been a hell of a weapon for the dominion to use during the wars that must have been something developed fairly <laughs> recently yeah yeah i was like they definitely did that not have like, that during yeah, the war 
<laughs> uh, the the one joke that I feel like was maybe almost too silly, but I'll forgive it because I laughed at it this episode. But yeah, you have like that big, you know, dramatic moment where you think things would be like kind of tense, and while that's going on, Boimler is still being the Dabo king, and, and you know the power's <laughs> down, Quark that. is abducted, and then you hear Dabo. <laughs> okay, I love that mainly because when you're in like places with Dabo and Star Trek Online, you're trying to do stuff, you just hear people go Dabo in the background <laughs> all the time. <laughs> like I was like I, I was imagine that's anytime something like I would like to imagine anytime you try to have like a serious negotiation at Quark's just a party is happening five feet away from you. Well, he makes a lot of money on that Dabo table, except when uh when Brad Boim when Bold Boimler shows up with his purse or clutch. Mm-hmm. It's called a clutch, but uh Thomas in the audience says that is a Breen weapon. Yeah, the, the, the Breen oh. did have that uh that disable ship beam that they were using mm. so maybe it's like the karama like repurposed mi- or miniaturized some brain tech after the war uh pj points out we keep learning that girls want boimler and the- yeah it's true they yeah, do the, i mean he is pretty on, hot the girls <laughs> on the vineyard and then the girls uh at the salon that was- <laughs> he seems like a genuinely good nerdy guy that's yeah. that's a lot of girls type <laughs> it's kind of my type i think if i met brad boimler in real life i'd probably like yeah, I date him. Like, yeah, me too, hundred percent. Um, I love him. I'd want to nab that guy, that king. <laughs> well, before we uh we finish up with the the Karama, we should talk about Castro's salon, which I'm like Mariner. I kind of roll my eyes, like, oh, you call your your party a a salon? Like that's uh that's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. But I, I I I felt sorry for her. Like I've been in these social situations where I'm just like, is it weird, fathery, or do you just not watch enough period pieces? Sorry, just, I watch a lot yes. of period pieces, but not then salon. Come on, I don't. Like, I don't watch the, that I mean, period of time. Though. I watch a lot of period pieces too, and I would not do that unless <laughs> unless I was doing a theme and like we were clear on the theme. I, I'm changing my Twitter spaces to salons. Star, Starfleet boy, I watch a lot of westerns too, but like I don't. I don't say like I'm going to the outhouse if I need to go use the restroom. Right, but you're you're gonna say saloon instead, right? <laughs> I'm not gonna say saloon or salon. I I also yeah, if I someone was coming over, I would and we were doing like performing art pieces, I would tell them. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of love this whole like crew though. Like I know so many people like this. I love them like... because I, I know these people. Like... Yeah, me too. I know these people. And, and Castro is an established character because we Castro was and Jennifer. They were both like in the the red shirts and that little red shirt uh... like, in season two. Castro was mentioned in uh, the second episode of the show, Envoys. They said that she used to serve on the Enterprise, and she brings that up earlier. She's like, I wasn't in the Enterprise. The Enterprise was in me. Like, you know, whatever the hell that means. <laughs> I mean, that seems like something that could literally happen in an, ep- like, an episode yeah, of yeah. Star Trek. The Enterprise <laughs> got shrunk and injected into her or something. Uh, we- we've but, seen shrinking yeah. in Star Trek before. DS9 and the animated <laughs> series both did it. Uh, speaking of shrinking, I, I guess this is... Uh, Aldebaran whiskey because it's green you know it's Mm -hmm. green but she pours the whole thing into her yeah Mariner pours like this entire (laughs) bottle like this giant sized bottle into like this little cup good for her for a couple seconds I was like oh Mariner might be being a little judgy and then went on I was like oh no 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 like they are not like the perfect reaction if someone is like oh I don't want to be in the spotlight like that to be cool and move on like (laughs) 
Yeah, we didn't really ever see vulnerable Mariner in seasons one and two. That's more something they've explored in season three, and I love it. I'm I'm here from it. You know, yeah. her like sincerely, like just like caring about Jennifer's feelings and caring about like making a good impression mm-hmm. on her friends and stuff, but being like so like out of her element when she's normally like so competent and on top of shit. And and so yeah, it was it was a lot of fun to explore this side of her. Her personal battlefield. It was personal battlefield themed candle making. Like what the hell? I wouldn't. I wouldn't fit in at this either. <laughs> the the scene where the uh, the hostess uh, calls out, uh, or the host rather calls out Mariner, and it's like, I think you're being like whatever. Oh, she's so pa- Castro is so passive aggressive this entire time. Yeah. <laughs> like, like when she <laughs> greeted like... her, when she gre- she was like, oh, we finally get to meet Lady Mariner, which I thought was kind of weird. They never <laughs> met because both characters have been on the ship for a while. But when she's like, uh, you know, like I'm so glad you're here. I don't even mind that you're late. Like, what a passive aggressive you know, thing to say. <laughs> that is so passive aggressive, and I actually took that to mean we had never met socially, but probably had had duty together. Right, right, right. Interesting, right? But uh, I mean, it's also like just uh, if you've ever dated someone and you get to this point in the relationship, this felt very relatable, even just from that perspective of meeting mm-hmm. your partner's friends and like, you know, uh, they all have their like shorthand and their idiosyncrasies and like, yeah. you know, little things. And you you really do feel like uh, ca- you want to be careful and like, you know, you want to make a good impression, but you also like are totally the odd duck out you know you, so you didn't get the memo that you're supposed to show up in uh beta zoid casual wardrobe yeah. uh, kobe yeah kobayashi maroon is the best thing ever i see you have it up on the screen here this like totally took me i had to rewind and make sure she said kobayashi maroon I so hard <laughs> the interpretive dance that there's no right way to dance it obviously <laughs> a kobayashi maru inspired but yeah that, that, that character gets a name uh, her name is anya i, I don't know if anya. any of the other friends but castro and anya are named characters for the now. record if like this like someone is do- was like doing this and like having fun cool it's the like being mad that mariner isn't into it that like got me mad <laughs> that's right no, it's true. yeah you can't <laughs> expect everyone to like your interpretive dance that by your own admission mm-hmm. there's no right way to do it so <laughs> i uh, I was like, yeah, the same way if like Mariner was doing like the crazy stuff that she likes to do, and you weren't into it, like that's fine. Different <laughs> people like different things. Although I do want that sweater that is just like the Starfleet Delta, like that looks very cozy. Oh, that Castro is wearing. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, uh, Star Trek dot com on the official merch store. Instead of making uh Mi- dumb shirts that say the starship is landing that only one person oh, in the entire gosh. world wants. <laughs> Not one person. There's an army of us. No, there's not. <laughs> yes, there is. There's a ton of people who's, who want to land. <laughs> God, this sounds like that Arrested Development joke. There are dozens of us. There's like... dozens. Of, it's true. There's 12 of us. There's 12 uh, landers. <laughs> I like when the uh, the power goes down, though, and then Mariner has to uh, take action. It's kind of weird that like all mm-hmm. these you know Starfleet officers uh, panicked so much, but it's necessary to set up the the Mariner stuff where she kind of has to be her true self. But it ties into the same story that you know Tindy is going through, and then mm-hmm. I guess Mask is is going through. You know, Mask has to accept. Oh yeah, he's just like the Earth boy from Ohio. Tindy yeah. has to learn to accept her uh, Orion pirate side and not be afraid to you know use that skill set when it comes in handy and then mariner here gets permission from jennifer to uh to, to phaser her friends to phaser her <laughs> you know uh, starfleet boy you know me i always talk about how like yes just this, stunt yeah. you should 
be able to, if there's any doubt, you know, just go ahead and stun away. Like it's, it's, it's harmless. Uh, stun first, ask questions later. So, you know, when Mariner springs into action, well, it's relatively harmless. I mean, you could hit your head when you fall. But their body, medical technology but... is so good, they could patch that up. By the yeah, time. yeah, that's, that's true. true. Uh, uh, this also recalled a certain thing from the animated series that I recently saw, which I thought was cool. Yeah, and the Lorelai signal when Uhura goes yeah. uh, stunned crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, stun- I was, <laughs> I was like Jennifer when she's like cheering Mariner on. I was like that watching this because I was like, yes, that's exactly what I would be doing. Okay, y'all don't want to blow out the candles. I'm stunning all of you then. <laughs> How are Jennifer's friends going to react to this? I wonder after that's we the, saw how they the... react. They're terrified of Mariner. Yeah, and Jennifer <laughs> right, liked it. She's right. like, "Oh yeah, they're going to be less assholes now." So. That's right. Yeah. I forgot. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and I laughed out loud when when Mariner springs into action and, and just starts shooting the phaser in the air. It's like everyone shut the fuck up. Like that. that I, just, I don't know. I just, I just laughed at the way Tawny delivered that <laughs> it was line. So good. Like it was so funny. It, it is also funny that they stun each other at the end. It was very uh, someone. I think it was PJ mentioned. It was like a. To, uh, 2010s stereotype, but it felt very like rom com. Oh, I love that was, type uh, stuff. That was yeah. a sweet moment. Look, I'm a romance girly. That scene was so fucking cute. Like, <laughs> it, I, it's so Star Trek. It's like they're using a it's, phaser. It's yeah, <laughs> it's so cute in a way that makes sense for both the characters and in this universe. I loved it. Yeah, and this is our you know Star Trek is with a history of like pushing the envelope for diversity on television it's like yeah we have like mm-hmm. this woman of color in a uh queer relationship but you know that they, they don't they, they treat that so casually that yeah you know they it doesn't, do. doesn't seem like a big deal at all but you know it's it's mm. cool to see like i haven't i was seen gl- that also glad they actually showed them kiss during that yes yeah like if you're taking yeah. notes disney you know in your <laughs> star franchise where you're not allowed to kiss each other if if you're the the same gender, like I well, especially, and I think there are behind yeah, what's the up with that? reasons for this, but like we only get like because we only get one kiss, even of like Seven and Rafi, and I think part of that is COVID, but mm, like it could be yeah, uh, because it's much harder like to do C three or like switch like swapping saliva, but I was like yes, like show them people kiss when they're in relationships casually, and I like that that's what this was, <laughs> yeah. It, it was it was a sweet looking just visual of like the two of them you know hugging each other passed out on the table and they're like that when the lights come on and jeez mm-hmm. I don't think I can be an actor I always imagine that French kisses on TV were not real French kisses but now that I'm thinking about it there's a lot of unsimulated they ones don't... Yeah, no no but in a lot of movies there's a lot of unsimulated French kisses or why why do we call Sometimes... them French kisses by the way I deep don't know. kisses <laughs> but I would say I have I like the French though I... so it's okay that I they're called French kisses. Heard from... <laughs> Like actors that, unless you really have to, you usually do not use tongue on stage, oh, good, like okay. stage or screen. I mean, I've I've yeah. done a stage kiss. I've we definitely we barely we were in high school, and so no one wanted to watch us make out because we were children. So it was very quick. Right. I would want a kissing double. <laughs> Any lookalikes out there who want to kiss uh, people for me? I'm thinking of going into acting, um, and I don't want to make out. So. But <laughs> it was like just. But even like if you're not using tongue, you're still like your lips would be next to each other. Well, this is all in animation, so I don't think they had to worry about it. <laughs> because I I do remember on Seven and Rafi, they kept making this excuse. It was like, oh, it's because they're in a more established relationship. They're not all over each other. And I was like, just admit it's COVID because it's less weird if you do. <laughs> right. Like... True. My favorite part of the episode, I'll just go ahead and uh, admit to it now, but it was actually like the uh, the Tindy pirate stuff when she mm-hmm. has to take action uh, on the, the Karama ship. 
Uh, it was also cool so that we good. got Mesk, by the way, like doing the Orion graffiti as like code <laughs> to let people know that, that Tendi's a traitor. I would love if like at, in one of the other Star Trek shows, we see like uh, Orion graffiti on like the side of a building. Oh, or that something. would be really rad. That would yeah. be cool. Have we not seen it before? Like uh, on not Klingon? that I know of. Uh, maybe on like uh, some screen or something on, on Discovery. Like yeah, and yeah, Chronos in season one, I feel like there everything might was have Klingon. Been... I think I will have to go back and check. No, but... uh, there was the Orion District. Remember they I, had the like the. I, I think any written language was all in Klingon language. I vaguely recall Yurg uh, posting that there might have been Orion. Okay, stuff, yeah, maybe there but... is, but I, but I could be making or, that and up. it could have shown I... up on Enterprise too. <laughs> true, true. You know, maybe this just this this just not. I need to rewatch Discovery. Although this episode <laughs> has made me want to rewatch Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine. So. Yeah, I think yeah, I think there really... might be some Emerald Chain. Uh, you know, they, some of like their computer interfaces and stuff. We might have seen some written mm-hmm. language. Oh, for there, sure. But... Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so we get the reveal that okay, Mask is a big poser. He grew up in Cincinnati. Doesn't know jack shit about how to be a pirate. <laughs> and then that gives Tindy the opportunity to spring into action with the the multi key and oh. oh i love that screenshot i'm trying to remember which character said it but it was either tendy or Ruffler being ohio like just <laughs> mad that it was ohio specifically tendy's rage in general in this episode was so satisfying i loved it noelle <laughs> wells so is so good as tendy yeah like she she swings from like one extreme to another it probably was her like ohio like she gets like that angry yeah. shouty voice sometimes she's so good at it and yeah, she yeah, can yeah. like deliver I... like like the like most complicated like techno babble but she just spits it out so sincerely like that lavar burton mm-hmm. style uh mm-hmm. yeah she she's just such a delight as tindy and yeah like when she was just being the pirate badass you know running down the hallway kicking the shit out of the karama stealing that guy's tooth and then uh, <laughs> taking his security badge to get through the door like like i was loving this so much like this made me like tear up as i was like watching it and i just kept like thinking in my head like i love star trek and i love lower decks and i love star trek and i love lower decks and when she screams at the know. dude and makes him jump off of the balcony and run away. Like, I like I like what PJ said. It's very funny. Uh, uh, here, let's put it up. Uh, Tendi is a great character. You will like her when she's angry, which is the opposite of Hulk. It's really funny. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, well said, PJ. God, I Tendi is like well, like Tendi. I think is my favorite character on Lower Deck. Yeah, she's, she's a lot of people. So good. Yeah, she's she, very cool. I mean, this, they're telling Tendi is my Paramount Plus like logo. <laughs> oh boimler's mine that's hilarious that's so funny I, I forgot that you could do all the all the lower deckers oh, believe right. it or not, I, I think boimler. mine might be like the master chief from halo oh interesting oh, that's kind of weird that is sad. weird because i'm like star trek is my favorite <laughs> thing ever like that's such a huge part of my identity as star trek let me make my icon the master chief yeah. sure it's like <laughs> all my social media is star trek except for the platform i watch star trek on <laughs> well what, what does she do she uses the platinum tooth which i guess it's like a gold pressed platinum tooth because it's like yeah obviously like looks like gold but she uses the well and remember they still use gold for a lot of right, stuff right. you know like yeah. Which, <laughs> she specifically says she used the latinum to magnetically decouple the propulsion controls mm-hmm. it's weird that like the ship just stops from going through like you would think like yeah it would just like have enough inertia just keep going because that's how space works uh, she's so smart <laughs> she found another way to make it stop too just didn't have time to explain it because you were saying about gold, I remember that. I think it's that one episode about Morn. They make a comment like someone makes the fake gold press latinum. They're like, it's just worthless gold. And I was like, Excuse yeah, me? that's right. Like, it was. I think it was that in that episode. Like, yeah, yeah. Who mourns like, for Morn? Just, yeah, yeah. This is I just worthless gold. 
I knew it was a Morn pun, and I couldn't remember what the pun was. <laughs> Wait, that also, it contradicts the last outpost when the Ferengi were like, oh, the Starfleet, they use gold on their comm badge. Look how they just display this precious metal. And then in Little Green Men, when they went back in time to Roswell 1947, they uh, tr- talked about gold like it was a value to them. But maybe it's only only sometimes it's valuable. Maybe at those times they're just acknowledging the preciousness of gold to others, um, but not necessarily to themselves. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I know it is a little dubious. I loved the <laughs> shot in ops of the Karama ship on the tractor beam that's up on the, the view screen. Mm-hmm. Because like we, we've seen the DS9 tractor beam in action before from like that exact same angle. And just, you know, again, it's like another example. Just It just felt so natural. Like I was like back on, yeah. on DS9 watching a, watching something set on the, on that that same station that you know I spent seven seasons on in the 90s. I think when I was watching it, I was like really hopeful we were going to see the wormhole aliens or even the Cisco's face or something oh. like that. I'm glad. Uh, I'm know, glad. But I'm glad that yeah, no, hundred percent same thing. I'm glad we didn't do. It. Although the wormhole aliens would have been funny because they would just appear to them as people they know or you know like it wouldn't be a big sure, deal. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I love stuff about the Bajoran religion, but I don't yeah. know that like lower. And sorry, I should call them the prophets. <laughs> I, I don't care what you call them. <laughs> uh, but I feel like that would be, I think, too much. There was already a lot in this episode, and it felt like the perfect amount. Like I would yeah. love for them yeah. to like come back and do something with that. But yeah, that that's something that has to kind of be treated as like a big deal if it's gonna. Mm-hmm. I, I think live up to people's expectations. But and I feel like if they somehow like brought Cisco, and I assume I assume they can't get every Brooks. Like I, I I feel like if someone brought Cisco back and like didn't have Avery Brooks do something, I feel like people would get like upset. I have a I've thought of what I consider to be like a clever way of how to. Do Cisco without Avery Brooks, but I don't want to say it on the internet because if any Star Trek writers come across the this idea on the internet, they're supposed to not use it, and I would hate not if I like it. stop it. So, oh, I, that's you... why it sucks when people do that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah I, I would tell like, people in person. For the record, but... that's why like pe- like people won't read spe- like un- like spec strips that you just hand them that you don't ask for or like why people will not read fan fiction yes. over like stuff they they write for yeah that, and that's also why we don't have like the open submission uh in star trek writing like we did in the 90s with michael pillar mm-hmm. uh where anyone could just like submit scripts like yeah they they did away with that because like every entertainment lawyer in hollywood was like yeah you have to like stop doing this because you're gonna have so many people try to sue you so um, mm-hmm. But yes, if anyone meets me in person, if you promise not to tell anyone on the internet, I, I will tell you my big idea of how I think. I want to hear it. Cisco. You should tell me, tell us privately. Yeah, okay. I'm, we met you. I met you. We both met you in person, yes. so you can I, tell I, us. I will, this I will is tell true. you all later. We both met you in person. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the the Tindy stuff, like like even with all like the cool DS9 stuff, like this was my favorite moment of the episode. It's like this cool Tindy reveal and just seeing her kick ass, and it also explained why way back in season one that episode Veritas when we see her, her beat the shit out of all those Romulans <laughs> I, I loved that scene but I always assumed like this must be kind of like exaggerated or something you know this is her like telling the story and like the little courtroom setting like she didn't really just like beat the fuck up of all like these like Romulan guards right that didn't really happen but now I see this I'm like oh yeah that totally happened and now I understand why so I'd, I'd like to see more Tindy O'Ryan stuff I hope that we meet her father they mentioned him uh a, you know a couple times here um he, he taught her that every ship has a security fell safe uh, so I, I think that'd be cool if we uh, get to get to meet her Orion family someday. But yeah, do y'all have anything else on like the uh, the the Tindy or the uh, the the stop the Karama ship 
efforts before we talk about the the ending father i'm really uh like kind of uh happy that you were moved by that it's pretty cool um that 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 scene like touched you because the one thing that i love about this episode that even though it's like a trip to deep space nine and like totally like a love letter and a uh you know a journey to to nostalgia but also giving us something new about like another show the thing that got you was the thing about this show which i love right. and, and that's what they they balanced oh, it, it was, so well it was, that's the yeah, most was, impressive like, so thing cool. to me like from this episode and, and yeah yeah this is the most impressive episode I, i've seen this is this whole season like lower, lower deck season three to me has, has been extraordinarily impressive and we still have four episodes to go no i generally love that because i feel like often um when uh, and they can be they can be fun but like when you have like flashbacks to other things not just in star trek um that they often like you feel like it's not the the show it's supposed to be anymore it's like it'd be cool to talk about this old show now mm-hmm. like like one example that pops in my head like the uh fraser cheers reunion episode barely feels like an episode <laughs> of fraser like it's mostly like let's hang out with the gang not at the bar at this weird reunion thing for some reason or, uh, you know, the other star franchise, they had their Boba Fett show. And then, like, all of a sudden, they're like, you know yeah. what? We're just going to do an episode of The Mandalorian because everyone really wants to watch that instead of Boba Fett. Crazy. So. Also, <laughs> it's insane that, like, a major Mandalorian moment happens on a different show. <laughs> like, can you not? There is definitely going to be someone who starts season two of Mandalorian having not watched Boba Fett, Boba yeah. Fett and is now chronically online and doesn't know yeah, it's, what It's really dumb. That would be like if Star Trek was doing stuff like that. That would be like if in Prodigy they explain why number one gets out of prison in Strange New World season two instead of like doing it on Strange New Worlds. You Actually, know? in Arrowverse, uh, the, char- the main characters of The Flash get married on an episode of Legends of Tomorrow because of the way the crossover worked. <laughs> and like it's a crossover they were promoting a lot, but still they should get married and like at an like on an episode of the flash um i remember that i I didn't realize what show it was on at that point but yeah i watched that that's also the characters from arrow also get married on a it's also like i hate that wedding like i like the characters getting married but they uh their best men end up being characters from arrow instead of like the characters that are actually their best friends from the flash Uh like it's very weird not all these other (laughs) shared universes can keep up with with star trek right uh, star trek was yeah star trek's we've been we've been doing it pretty well for a while so i i think they're getting there though but let's let's talk about the ending we have the uh the karama locked up in the in the brig it was cool to see uh the ds9 uh security office where odo would would have people locked up but we get the the reveal Mm -hmm. that yeah we all saw this coming but yeah quark (laughs) had ripped off the karama technology and so Freeman comes up with this plan of, okay, Quark can continue to use those replicators, but the Karama gets 76% of the problem. That seemed like a lot to me. Like, wow, like the majority. That was a lot. Like, he did all this work. It's like his, it's his software. I feel like this is definitely a... Starfleet doesn't understand how money works. It doesn't understand how big of a profit that is. I mean, the, the Karama enjoyed it. You know, they're they're having a, a good time. Of course, they're thrilled about yeah. it. Like they're, they're like, okay, we'll open up trade with the Alpha Quadrant. That sounds awesome for us. I, I another moment I that made me laugh out loud as I was watching is Freeman talking to Quark when she says, "Well, you'd rather be poor than be in prison, right?" And then the way Armin Sherman <laughs> delivered that line, "No," like, <laughs> I love because because in my head I was like, "No, he wouldn't." Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, he hates being poor. That's his least favorite thing. I almost wanted to be like, you know, he's a Ferengi, right? Like, 
You're serving up some Tamarian mead, by the way. Like Karama, we're drinking the Tamarian mead. So uh, I didn't see Kayshawn in the bar, but maybe he would have liked that. It's a Tamarian. Oh, I didn't notice Tiana there when I, when I was. Oh, yeah. yeah, Tiana is seen briefly at the bar, like drinking out of a out of a glass, like like a cat, like lapping it up with her tongue. <laughs> the the drinks that Mariner and Jennifer are drinking a, a mind meld and a Riza Colada. I believe those were drinks at uh, Star Trek: The Experience back when that was a thing in Vegas, which I hate myself for not going to. Back when I had the chance. I mean, I had a good reason. I was a child and didn't have control over where I went, <laughs> and I also lived overseas for most of the time that thing was open. But I really wish I'd gone. To, I've seen the remnants of it, but I really wish I I, I was able to experience. Yeah, it. I should have done that it for my twenty first cool. birthday, but. I didn't, and now I hate myself. But <laughs> I mean, a Star Trek theme park very badly. Yeah, bring bring back the experience. Like I I watched like these YouTube videos, of, like people like going through it and like going to, like the Quarks Bar they have set up there, like going through like the Enterprise D, then going like on the Enterprise D bridge and stuff. And I'm just like so jealous. I was like, oh, I can't believe y'all used to do this, and I'd never got to. Oh, then there, there's another joke about uh, Kira and the. Uh, the hologram that had Quark's head on her body, and that's because Mariner had saved a copy of that. That's why she was able mm-hmm. to blackmail Quark and not have to pay for her drinks, which is like the most Mariner thing ever, and also like the most Quark thing ever. So like we get like this glimpse of what their dynamic would be like, because she apparently you know served on the station and would have been there during the Dominion War. She was there when Worf was there, and Kira's even like, are y'all telling old war stories? I like loved that Kira and like Mariner get along because it kind of was like yeah, and then she's not she's like. She seems like she would get along with Kira, but the things that would make her get along with Kira are the things that make her, like, a little iffy to some Starfleet officers. <laughs> yeah, they both can be, like, a little rough around the edges, but they're kind of mm-hmm. a... Oh, I don't know. Like, I think at her heart, like, Kira's a very, like, sweet, caring person, and I think Mariner's oh, still kind of... yeah, same. I uh, I also... The scene is... I don't remember if it was Quark or Kira. I think it was Kira, uh, Kira calls her Beckett. And then mm. I did wonder, I was like, why did none of, like, why didn't Jennifer or her friends call her Beckett? Jennifer does call her <laughs> like, Beckett. You know, like, yeah. at the, in the salon, like, Jennifer is like, uh, I like you for who you are, Beckett, or, you know, whatever she tells her. Okay, but, like, so Jennifer oh, okay. does. I like in Star Trek that a lot of people just call each other by their last name. Because, like, most people call me fathery instead of... That's mm. fair. But you encourage that. But, yeah, because I like I like uh, Star Trek, and that's how people do on Star Trek. So we all, we all say uh, Sulu. No, true. Like, so well, they, I mean, I wouldn't mind calling you Stefan. <laughs> I'd mind it, though. <laughs> I, um, something in fair Star Trek it does not usually do this. It, it it's always weird to me when like people are in romantic relationships and still calling each other their last names. I was like, you have first names. And actually, the worst offender of the show is an ep- a show I've watched every episode and it is Bones. Oh yeah, I've heard about that in Bones. <laughs> you know, Worf always called uh, Jadzia Jadzia. He didn't call her Dax. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you're like, once you reach the point of romantic relationship. You should sometimes use the last name. Like, use the first Alana name. Alana said like, Tom. Mm. Yeah, exactly. I guess everyone called it. Voyager was more like, they were more like first names with everyone. Like, mm-hmm. they always said, like, Balana, well, Tom, like, Harry. It depends on who it is, like, I feel around. I feel like people say Jordy way more than they would say LaForge. Right, mm. right. He's he's kind of an exception. No Will, Riker, later seasons, everyone's like, Will, Will, Yeah, Will. that's true. I think, like, as the seasons progressed... Um, and that also makes sense, as people get more comfortable with each other. With each other, yeah. Each other there by their last names. Beverly. Name. I mean, I, I can just hear Jean-Luc saying Beverly. I mean, <laughs> Bev. Beverly. Did he ever say Bev? I don't think he said no, Bev, but... He would Beverly. never... Jean-Luc would never say that. He's he's Beverly. far too formal. Never say never. He's going to say Bev. I Watch. know this, but I'm I'll, I'll bet you money he won't. <laughs> 
<laughs> Bev. I, I would be shocked I, if he says that in Picard season three. Uh, we we have a final Shax and Kira moment at the bar where uh, I, I Kira wins. I like they like Kira win. Their whole so thing good. of like, I owe you one. No, you you owe me. Or no, they both wanted to be in debt to the other one. Yeah, and and Kira gets to win because Shax pushed her out of the way of the Karama device. Mm-hmm. She says, That's right. "Thanks, thanks for having my back." When the what does what does she say? Clist, clist. It's a hard word to say, but when it hit the fa- the clist hit the fan. So I guess we know like the Bajoran <laughs> word for shit now. So that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, the the episode ends with uh, Tindy saying she will embrace her Orion roots, and then mm. Quark wanting to steal the latinum tooth from her, and uh, quoting a rule of acquisition and the beauty shot of the Cerritos at the station. Uh, so good. I, I love the station so much. Yeah, I understand why Shax hates it because, like, he probably knows people <laughs> that were worked to death on on the station. But yeah, but I it's love a monument it. I love to. It, damn it. In a weird way, it's like a monument to. Uh... No, no, Shax. Which it's funny because I never thought about it like that. Mm-hmm. As soon as Shax said that, I was like, oh yeah, but Jordan's been. Hate, hate the it. station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, like, unless it's someone like Kira who like actively worked and has really good memories on it. But in a way, that's also kind of beautiful to transform something so evil and mm-hmm. you know disgusting into something that's actually yeah, like, uh, benefiting B- yeah. Bajor or whatever. Take, you like, know. take it over. It's not right. like, um, right. Like, no, this is ours now. We get yeah. to decide what. It yeah, means. we get to like now. We get to like transform it into something that's you know not. I what mean, it like was, a lot of so. a lot of stuff in Ireland, you know, is built by the Vikings or built by the mm-hmm. British. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was uh, fun to get back on the station, and you know, I hope that that this modern era Star Trek uh, doesn't stop here. Uh, take us back more often. I, I liked getting back home, and you know, I'd like to make it a regular thing. If uh, Alex, if you're listening, if you'd be so kind, uh, do you have any final thoughts on the episode? Oh, I really want to rewatch Deep Space Nine right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm currently uh you know rewatching season six. I've seen it so many times, but uh, we're, Dave and I will hopefully cover uh season six and seven before picard season three dave is terrible at like binge watching tv like he has a very short attention span and you know he admits to this <laughs> all the time like he he can't like sit down and watch tv for too long uh so it's hard for him to finish tv shows see i wish that was my problem i'm just like oh shit i've been here for hours get up do something <laughs> i think it's really cool that this uh, episode aired on the uh day of uh you know the day after the anniversary of uh, Star Trek The Next Generation airing because TNG kind of mm-hmm. kicked off this whole era of wonderful shows. Like, there was a really good time, you know, for those of us who were watching it live or just, like, living well, in that there's a lot of There's a lot of Star Trek anniversaries in September. The original series, right. the no, I know, but series, it's just Enterprise, nice. It's nice that Discovery. it lined up, you know. It didn't line up, It's though. just it was, nice. That, uh, yeah, it was midnight. It was the end of the day mm-hmm. yeah sorry stop it it's technically different you're, you're getting so. getting a little too crazy there with your uh tng hate there but anyways uh <laughs> i'm teasing father but <laughs> but uh but no like seriously though tng kind of kicked off a whole era um you know with that show and uh you know deep space nine and then voyager and then enterprise and and uh you enterprise know is that is era, the though. era the no, but like a Berman era, whatever you want to call it, like this whole like <laughs> I don't mean like era in universe. I mean just era of Star Trek, like on TV, and those people inspired all the people that are making Star Trek now, and it's kind of cool. I think, uh, you know. So I just want to say, like, for anyone who makes Star Trek who's listening, just thank you. What a gift, you know. That was my final thought. <laughs> 
Well, this episode was packed full of Gorn eggs, or uh, that's what I like to call the Easter eggs in-jokes and continuity connections. So I'm just going to point out some of the ones that I think are worthy of mention here. But, you know, starting off with the Karama, right at the beginning of the episode, Carol's talking about this mission with the uh, the Gamma Quadrant race, the, the Karama. They were established on DS9 way back in Season 2. They were the first Dominion species ever mentioned. That's how we actually learned about the Dominion when the uh, Ferengi wanted to open up trade with them with Tulaberry wine. And they seemed to like to be really into alcohol. You know, you look at like some of the cargo the Cerritos was hauling, but we hadn't actually seen one on screen since James Cromwell played a Karama way back in Starship Down in season four. Uh, They mentioned the Vancouver captain by name, Captain Wynn. Uh, We actually saw her in season one in Cupid's Errant Arrow, but we didn't have a name for her now. So uh, now we have now we have a name to associate with her face. Uh, that's kind of a, something that happens on the Lower Decks a lot. They'll introduce a character on screen, but we don't like learn their name till later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, speaking of that cargo that the Cerritos was hauling, th- this is like the most like season three thing in the episode because th- there's a lot of like familiar Star Trek stuff. They they have Romulan L. Debran whiskey, uh, Rysian Cabernet, but they are remembering their own history. Lower Decks is remembering what they had set up and established in seasons one and two, because they're also hauling the Galadorian milk, the spider cow milk from the first episode of the mm-hmm. show. So I love that <laughs> yeah, Lower Decks continues to use it, what, what it's established itself, as well as using the larger universe. Mariner at first tries to weasel her way out of spending the day with Jennifer and says that she needs to go give her friends a tour on the station or else they might get lost and end up in the mirror universe and meet smiley uh smiley was the nickname for mirror universe miles o'brien <laughs> so that was, a, that was a cool uh reference there uh in kira's office you know it's really cool to see cisco's baseball is still there but if you look closely you can also see a spring ball helmet in the oh, back yeah. of the room so spring ball was the sport that she played which is very different from racquetball, even though a few episodes ago, Lower Decks called racquetball spring ball, and I'm still salty about Mike that. Mike McMahon totally owned that mistake and t- uh, tweeted about it. I don't know if you saw that. I didn't that. see that. What did he say? <laughs> he just said, yeah, it was a mistake. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, for- I forget the exact uh, the exact uh, reason why it happened, but... <laughs> I mean, we all make mistakes, but... Yep. Uh, but speaking of Bajor and stuff, the, uh, the Kira and Shaq's conversations about uh oh i owe you one no no i owe you one whatever the back and forth there but she called him a scarred up old barrow bug so barrow bugs <laughs> were actually mentioned by lupaza you know lupaza and pharrell kira's old resistance friends that spoiler mm. alert they get blowed up by that crazy cardassian but yeah lupaza had like talked about the, like one of their one of their raids against the cardassians it was like kicking over a mound of barrow bugs and then the raids that Kara mentions at the very beginning, she says, uh, he saved my life during a raid on the Haru Outpost. She actually mentioned the Haru Outpost raids in the DS9 episode past prologues, and so, you know, she still had dreams about it. Oh, and Shax says that, uh, or no, I think it was Kara again. Kara said that uh, Shax pulled her out of the plasma storms in the Badlands. So we got a reference to the Badlands uh, for the first time in a, in a long time. The Quark's Bar logo that we see on the station, that is the new version of the logo that was established on Picard in uh, Season 1 in uh, the episode uh, Stardust, what was it, Stardust City Rag? Stardust City Rag, yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. And then the uh, drink that a lot of people are drinking at Quark's that Quark is uh, (laughs) making in the Quark 2000 replicator, Uh, that is the uh, Modella, uh, what is it, Modella... 
aperitif aperitif yeah that's how aperitif you that. yeah um oh, but that's something yeah, he that. made he made for dax in the episode uh dramatic persona 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 i don't know how to say these words but it's like dramatis persona pers- I think yeah it was the, the second to last episode. episode of season one when they all uh yeah that's right all, all start going crazy and acting weird i know season well one really well of do you say sun because i've watched it like three times <laughs> in recent history but i will say i've been drinking because it was for a podcast that i tried to do three times called drunk space nine which uh <laughs> which is in good hands now but it's not in my hands it's not in, so. is it in good <laughs> hands now like I, I feel like it's dead right it like, is it was last time an episode yeah, came well out. it's kind of you know they're on a on a secret mission into the uh oh. wormhole and they're on the gamma quadrant but they'll be back those guys they'll they'll be back if not i i guess i could still at some point uh do drunk space line but fathery and i had a great episode on on the second iteration of drunk space i i passed out on it <laughs> Yeah, that's how, a, that's how that's how drunk space episode. nine we got. I haven't, listen, I haven't listened to it in a while, but there was a podcast called Seven of Wine. Seven they of wine. Was, yeah, there, there's Although one that I've always thing about it is they just like we don't want to go in order. They just chose random episodes mm-hmm. and like they're like whatever we feel like it. I think someone took this already. I came up with this a long time ago, and I think someone's going to be using it or have used it already. But Captain Mary Janeway is a great name for a Star Trek inebriated podcast as well. <laughs> and, uh, back on the station, Rutherford says that he wants to uh, dangle his feet on the on the promenade. So, uh, and then when I when Tindy relates to that so much, yeah, Father that, would that, do that too. That's, uh, I, I would do that if I could go there, but. When when Tindy's like, oh no, we have to uh, Rutherford, we have to go move this cargo to the Karama ship. You know, Rutherford's reluctant. He says, uh, but I wanted to have a heart to heart with a junior reporter up here. So clearly referencing <laughs> Jake Cisco. I actually thought like if if they were gonna bring in someone else in addition to Nana and Armin, maybe it would be Sirak. Maybe we would see Jake. I for a second I thought maybe, but obviously he didn't show yeah. up. Yeah. Um, it would have been cool if they got him, but, you know, I'm just really happy that they got the original voice actor for Morn to come back. I feel like that's like the biggest <laughs> get. Sorry, that's <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the, uh, the hologram of Quark's head on Kira's body. Uh, I'm sorry anyone ever had to, uh, to look at that. But Absolutely not. <laughs> it's from the episode uh, Meridian, which I think was season three. Yeah, it was season three of DS9. Also, isn't that the creepy guy in that is also like the first time you see Jeffrey yes. Combs in Star Trek, It was Trek, the right? first Star Trek episode with Jeffrey Combs. He played a guy who wanted to bang <laughs> a hologram of Kira. So Quark is like, okay, I'll make you this hologram That's of right. Kira. And then Kira and Odo figured out what Quark was doing. So they hacked it so that the guy walks into the hollow suite and he <laughs> sees the sexy Nana visitor body, but with Quark's head on, on top of the body. And of course, the guy did not react well to seeing that. And I guess Quark never knew that Kira was the one who did that to him because he's like so scared of her and and doesn't want her to see that hologram that Mariner's oh, using yeah. to blackmail him. So I I guess like yeah he never figured out it was her. So that I love that I love Kira getting like that kind of victory over Quark because you know we all love Quark <laughs> but at the end of the day he is kind of this, this asshole little troll you know. So it's it's funny that he A doesn't Slezo, come out on top even. Yeah. <laughs> But he's our Sleezo, and we got to keep educating him. It's okay. <laughs> but, but speaking of Quark, you know, Boimler wins big with the Quark's bucks and, and cleans up at the gift shop. Okay, the Ferengi ears need... <laughs> they need to be a thing. They're like Mickey Mouse ears, but... 
They're exactly. like totally Mickey Mouse ears. <laughs> but he's getting like those little uh, cups, like the DS9 cups that people would drink Ractaginos out of that have like the, mm-hmm. the big base and then they're smaller around the top. My, my partner Antonia does pottery these days, like shacks. She throws no. pots and she's made me so many of these little cups. Like I have <gasps> a bunch of them laying around because it's oh, like wow. an interesting shape. You have Ractagino but... cups? Around? Yeah, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll have to post some pictures of them or something. Yeah, oh my please. God. I'm jealous. <laughs> I know, me too. At least you live close enough to borrow one and never give it back. <laughs> Don't trust me in your house anymore. Well, I have plenty of spare. I, 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 think, I think I can sneak one out to you. The little doll, the Ferengi doll that Boimler is carrying. We saw one of those uh, at the collector's table a couple of weeks ago. Oh, that's right. But we did. That is actually a doll that was available at the Star Trek Experience gift shop. It was... Mm. Y'all remember, yeah. like, in the 90s when, like, Beanie Babies were, like, really popular? They, they At the Star Trek Experience gift shop, they made, like, these Star Trek Beanie Aliens. And they, they had a Ferengi one that looked like that. So not, like, an official Beanie Baby, but kind of like a, a knockoff. Mm-hmm. And then at the, the end of the episode, to close things out, uh, Quark does recite the ninth rule of acquisition, opportunity plus instinct equals profit. And I just want to point out that the name of the ep- episode, Here I'll Trust Nothing, that is the 190th rule. So we've got uh, two rules of acquisition in the episode. But Oh, that's rad. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, I, uh, I really liked that. So I'd be curious uh, what people think about this episode. If you're uh, watching or listening to this later, please uh, leave a comment, uh, reply to my tweets, sound off on the Text Trek Facebook page. Or uh, talk to us in the Text Trek Discord server. There's links to all of that in the description. But you know, we love hearing what the the audience thinks about this stuff. I have some subspace transmissions we got last week about last week's episode reflections with uh, Rutherford, and I'm just gonna read a couple of these on YouTube. Our friend Christopher Collins said, "Best part for me was seeing the Delta Flyer again." It was something I was not expecting. I am glad that reveal was not spoiled to me on social media. And he also goes on to say, I liked seeing the Stargazer on the Starfleet recruiting station. So yeah, I enjoyed seeing both those classic ships. Uh, Joanne Robertson said on Twitter, I figured there were a lot of references in the episode, but I didn't even care because I was so invested in the plot. I loved how Rutherford has gained a chosen family in Tindy, Shax, and Dr. Tiana. She also says, uh, Boimler's outrage was palpable when his pip got removed. I yelled at the screen, you've gone too far. So I think that was relatable for a lot of people in the audience. Don't disrespect a man's pip, damn it. <laughs> our friend Braxton said on Twitter, this was a great episode. I'm glad Red Rutherford is no more. He was totally a jerk. The two butt bugs <laughs> references from the truthers was hilarious. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Laura Dupree on Twitter said, having manned many conference booths over the years, I wish I could have witnessed something like that in person. <laughs> you can do it, Laura. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun to see. I'd like to see it. I know how I feel. And our, uh, our friend uh, Mick Jost, who writes for Cinema Blend, uh, he said, agree with the tells that it's the best. I appreciated it, it ending on a cliffhanger. That teases there's more to know about Rutherford. So, yeah, sounds like we have uh, mm-hmm. more Rutherford stuff to look forward to. Uh, I don't know if we'll get it in season two. I'm thinking it'll, or season three. I think it'll probably be in seasons four and later. But, yeah, so I'm curious to see more of that Rutherford stuff. I'm curious to see more of, of Tindy's Orion side. I'm curious to see more of 
Mariner and Jennifer and how that's going to play out. I'm curious to see more bold Boimler. They they gave him a a little bit bit of a backseat this week, but we know in two weeks we're getting the uh, the movie sequel. We're going to see a uh, Boimler's big epic story where he's commanding a sovereign class ship and whatnot. So bold Boimler will definitely have some neat stuff in the near future. Uh, but yeah, we'll have to uh, sign off for now. We will be back next week live Friday night, 7 p.m. Central, and available to listen to later wherever you get your podcast. And until then. As always, live long and prosper, y'all. Listen to the Text Trek podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or at text-trek.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash text-trek. And follow Fathery on Twitter at TXTrek. Please support us by liking our videos and subscribing to our channel on YouTube. Thank you and take care.